This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Obviously, uh, Canada legalizing cannabis coming up next summer. Uh, some states in the United States uh, already are there. However, still federally in the United States, this is against the law. So what happens when anyone is crossing a border into the United States or even back the other way into Canada? Uh, what are the guidelines? Wh- where, where, where do laws stand when it comes people who, uh, when it comes to people who have used recreational or medical marijuana, and what are their rights at the border? For example, uh, if, of course, you're entering into the United States, and the border guard asks you if you've ever smoked pot, do you say yes or no? And if you say yes, then subject yourself to possibly not being, you know, uh, allowed into the country. You know, you planned your vacation, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're at the border, you're ready to go. And even though you're not carrying anything illegal over the border, they ask you about something. Well, yeah, a long time ago, you know, I mean, do you say that? You just keep your mouth shut and lie and move on. And it seems to depend what, you know, the border guard is or who the border guard is, whether you get asked these questions or not. And there seems to be this gray area uh, as to whether or not you should be allowed into the country or not. Uh, Let's bring in Ross McLean, crime specialist, security expert, RossMcLeanSecurity.com to find out more. And of course, check out his uh, Facebook page. Ross, with the new laws changing in, uh, in Canada next summer, how is this going to create confusion at the border crossings? I think it's going to create a lot of confusion and a lot of concern for people, actually, Scott. You know, one of the things you're asking about is a clarification of the law. Well, the federal law for the, for the U.S. includes a clause that says if you're guilty of any sort of moral turpitude, that's reason enough for you to be turned away. And essentially what that means is that's like the careless driving or the criminal negligence charge. It covers everything. Hmm. Like rather than having to list out every possible law from every different country for things you could have done, they have a catch-all phrase called moral turpitude, where they do list out some of the crimes, pot use, passing bad checks, uh, those sort of things. They've got that as a blanket as a reason for being able to refuse somebody. So how will our laws changing here in Canada next year confuse all of this even more? Well, you know, I think the interesting issue is this. The interesting issue is, as you said, you cross the border and the guy says, have you ever used pot before? You know, and the big conundrum for everybody is, what do you say? It turns out that if you say, well, yes, I did, even when I was young or something else, that that may be grounds for them to bar you. So, you know, the question becomes, do you not answer the question, as your previous guest suggested, in which case they might say, well, then we're not going to let you in, or they may or may not. Or do you take up and you say, no, never touch the stuff, when you don't really know what information they have to check against you on it. See, this is the trick. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can right now look up, uh, we're going through this big Equifax problem. You can copy and call and get a copy of your own report and see what they're looking at, what everybody's looking at. You can't do that with what the border guards have on you. Mm. I mean, they're able to look at everything from, we, we, don't forget, we do a lot of information sharing now. And we've had issues in the past where they can look at your criminal records. They could probably see your arrest records. You know, we had the issue with the carding. Like, let's say you were stopped seven years ago around people who had pot, and you said, no, never touch the stuff. And they're looking and seeing that. They're going to think you're lying to them. So now maybe you'll be shut out permanently for lying. 
So there's a big concern as to what information they have. So how are governments going to handle this simply because, I mean, we've been talking forever about how there has to be, you know, a free movement of goods and services and people uh, between the borders. How is this going to confuse things and clog things up? Well, I think they're going to have to try and clarify it for Canadians who are crossing the border. Uh, That's what they're going to have to do. And I think it's going to be good luck trying to do that to some degree. I mean, the U.S., as we see and we've seen right now, they're certainly very intent on controlling their borders and having all the latitude that they possibly can have for controlling who gets in and out. Uh, They've always had it. They always will have it. Uh, You know, if you're traveling in there, you're not a U.S. citizen. You don't have the U.S. citizen's rights. Uh, even though, you know, we sort of feel in Canada that we should be entitled to the rights because we feel like we're all part of the same team, if you will, uh, but not at the border. That's up to the guards to be able to look at it and determine if you're saying something. And as you pointed out earlier, if they're looking on your social media and they see you're doing something and you tell them you lie and say otherwise, you know, I don't know if they do this. Maybe you're coming down in a group and they split people up. They ask one guy, the old police technique, hey, this person says you used to smoke dope. Did you? You know, and the other person says you did, and you're lying. I mean, it's just, it's a real catch-22 to be sitting there lying. You're really taking a risk when you're doing that. But as you said, you want to get your vacation going, don't you? So is this something that will have to be dealt with? I mean, this can't continue on, Ross. There's got to be some sort of policy so uh, there is an inconsistency. I mean, what's the sense of having a border if it's not consistent? Well, you know what? Quite frankly, uh, the prime minister should take it up because he also has the issue. He's admitted to using drugs before and smoking pot before, right? He's admitted it. He said it. So, you know, when he has to cross, and of course he gets exemption as being, you know, uh, you know, a person ahead of government, they get different waivers and things like that. As we saw when he went down to visit the Aga Khan, he gets a waiver for getting through certain customs things. But he should be bringing it up for the people that he, you know, put this policy out for and seeking to get clarification on it because it's going to be very, very tricky. Uh, you know, if the U.S. knows that, that you've used pot before at some point and then you're lying to them, like lying is a whole different issue than the pot use, right? If you're lying about this, what else are you lying about? So it's going to create some real issues. We've got free trade coming up where hopefully Canadians will be able to go down and make a lot more money in the U.S., but not if you have to go through this every time and you could be barred. Is this more of an issue for them or us? I mean, because of the fact uh, come uh, the summer next year, federally, it won't be illegal anymore where it still is there, but in some states it's not. I mean, how do they grapple with that? Well, it's, that's the, we don't quite follow it the same way up here. But don't forget, in the U.S., they've got a separation between federal and state government. Yeah. They, don't, they don't cooperate. They report, I mean, they can cooperate, but they also enforce laws differently for doing things. So just because a state says you can do something doesn't mean that the federal law says that you can do something. It'll, it'll challenge you at the border for doing it. So you're not going to see that change. I mean, that's constitutional for how that is laid out. I mean, at best, we can hope is to get some sort of clarification, and perhaps Canadians will be able to ask and see the information that's going to be referred against them when they, when they go down to look in the U.S., And, you know, it was before, and I've got no inside information on this before, uh, from before, but my understanding was before, uh, Scott, if you're crossing the border and they've never had to look at your criminal stuff before, they don't have your criminal stuff to look at. But if for some reason uh, they open that Pandora... All right, Ross McLean has been with us, crime specialist, uh, security expert at RossMcLeanSecurity.com, uh, talking about the conundrum uh, with crossing the border uh, with citizens who have consumed cannabis, especially when laws are different between each state, the country, and then, of course, what Canada will be going through. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. 
In case you were uh, under a rock this weekend and you didn't hear the latest Trump controversy, which when you think about it, it's very sad. We're, we're listening. We're talking to Claire Finkelstein from uh, University of uh, Pennsylvania. We're talking about the NFL comments this weekend being a distraction. Uh, what concerns her the most is the whole rhetoric between Trump and Kim Jong-un and how that supposed distraction could end up annihilating the world in some form. Uh, that's the one that really concerns her. Uh, that being said, in case you're under a rock, uh, uh, maybe you have or haven't noticed that there's certain players uh, who have taken to putting down one knee when the national anthem is played. Uh, this in protest to uh, poor treatment from law enforcement and uh, just events that have happened in the United States over the last couple of years. This has slowly been gaining momentum. Uh, and here's what the president of the United States had to say about NFL game day. Wouldn't and you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out, he's fired. He's fired! Wow. Listen to the venom in his voice on that line. He's fired! You're fired! What movie's that from? Um, it, it just the it, you just gotta shake your head and you think, why, 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 why do you do this sort of thing? And I'm sorry, but other than his wacky personality, the only reason I can come up with is a distraction off everything else going on in his life. That is the noose around his neck that's tightening with the Russian investigation. And to think that he's taking the world to the brink of nuclear war by carrying on the rhetoric with Kim Jong-un is unbelievable. Uh, but so is what we saw this weekend in regard to the NFL. How do you pull back from this one? Uh, he is a true... Uh, divider of people. He is a true divider of people. He does nothing, it appears, to bring people together. Has he done it again? Has he worn out his welcome? Let's bring in Alyssa Freeman, public relations consultant. And of course, uh, you could read her stuff at HuffingtonPostCanada.com. PR Daily is with us now. Alyssa, did this surprise you this weekend? By the way, thank you for joining us. Oh, well, thank you, Scott. I did enjoy you yelling. <laughs> Did you see the end? He said, he said you know, it's not like he's even joking anymore. Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. It's like, it's not, you're fired. It's like, you're fired! You're fired! <laughs> really? I mean, that's the most venomous, uh, you're fired we've heard from the president. I don't even think he got that wound up during The Apprentice. Well, you know, this is something he generally knows about, although I have to say that um, Trump turns a tin ear to most sports except for golf. But uh, when they do something that uh, apparently he can jump on that will absolutely appeal to his base, then he's going to jump on it. Um, you know, it's interesting. You know, this started off with uh, Colin Kaepernick, and it was a, a protest. It was a very silent, peaceful protest mm -hmm. about the way uh, police in the U.S. Um, treated uh, African Americans. And now it has gained, it's interesting because, you know, I've read a lot of articles this morning and people are wondering what exactly are people protesting? Mm -hmm. Are they protesting the treatment of black Americans by police? Are they protesting now what uh, Trump has said about NFL players and about um, Steph Curry this past weekend? So, you know, the, the connotation of taking the knee has kind of morphed into what was one man's 
silent, peaceful protest into a larger gathering uh, momentum of uh, advocacy against what people don't like. Mm. Uh, Can he appeal to his base without dividing the country? Can he do one without the other? Or if he appeals to his base, does it mean he divides the country? You know, that's interesting. It's a really good question. Um, I think every time he appeals to his base, he divides the country. I was watching 60 Minutes last night, and Oprah was on, and she had a uh, table full of uh, Americans who had voted for Trump and some Republicans, some Democrats, and Republicans who did not vote for Trump. And, it, it, you know, the there are so many underlying issues that are still absolutely so divided. And, you know, one of them is, you know, the Russian investigation. Another one is taking the knee. So, you know, every time he calls somebody a son of a beep, now nobody else is bleeping that, but you guys are. So I we got the feet. No, we didn't beep it. ABC beeped it. Oh, okay. That's the AB, That's what I said. Is what do we beep this for? We're playing. Uh, yeah, we, I you was know. wondering. So anyway, yeah. so when he calls people that, and he uses such guttural language, people people often say that Trump says out loud what everybody is thinking. I would not classify that as everybody, but I would say everybody who was a hardcore supporter of him, he is saying what they're thinking. So when you talk to somebody who supports Trump, and he will absolutely say, 100% I agree with him. And then when Trump was saying, well, I'm glad that nobody pulled this type of stunt at NASCAR, well, look where NASCAR is popular. I mean, those are all very solidly. Read. I was, you know, being a NASCAR fan, and I know you hold that against me. No, I, no, I, it's, I don't. It, it's like I'm saying, you know, NASCAR, just shut up and lie down. <laughs> don't say anything. Don't even open your mouths. Don't even ask anybody what they think about this. Just go about, go about your business and race cars. But nah, it couldn't happen. And it was interesting because, you know, when they were talking to. Um, the folks at Richard Petty Motorsports, they would say, well, what would happen if, the, if, this, um, if one of the Euro yeah. drivers took a knee? And one said, well, I'd buy him, buy him a ticket on a Greyhound. Yeah. Would he be That was Richard Absolutely. Childress, not Richard Petty. But it, I understand what you're saying. But what was interesting is that one of the great race tra- car drivers, Dale Earnhardt, yes, said, yes. yes, I support peaceful protests. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so there you go. So... Is this political suicide or not? And maybe I should say say again, is this political suicide this time? Because we've been saying this for 100 years, it seems, and nothing seems to stick here. It's not. It's just more divisiveness. It's just more divisiveness, and that, to me, is the most dangerous thing of all. It's very destructive. You know, you give him a platform about anything, and he will just start to spew. I don't, you know, lots of people were saying at the speech of the UN, well, he stayed to script, and he said what he was supposed to say. What, does that make it right, because somebody wrote it, and he read the words in front of him versus freelancing? That's supposed to be okay? I had lots of conversations about that last week. So, you know, it's almost like... You know, what is it today? And the dangerous part about all of this is that I think we're becoming immune to Trumpisms. So when he tweets something ridiculous, it's like, okay. Yeah, it's like the boy that cried wolf. Right. Whatever. What next? You know, what has he actually done? You know, he's actually done nothing. Yeah. Nothing. There's been a lot of executive orders signed. He hasn't repealed Obamacare. There's another apparently horrible bill that's um, before the, the House and the Senate right now. So... You know, the dangerous part about this is, as one person said on the 60 Minutes interview, is that this could result in civil war. Mm. And honestly, that had to be the 
furthest, furthest thought of my mind, in my mind. You know, I'm more worried about him poking North Korea than I am about civil war in the U.S. But think about it. He is pitting people on either side of the aisle. Why, so why, one, why is he doing other. this, though? What's the reasoning behind this? Because, again, as someone who, you, you know, if you're involved in bringing people together, this is the last thing you want to do. And the only thing I can think of is other than a distraction, other than a distraction, the only thing I can think of is it just goes back to his own person and his own personality. And, and then you start cutting up the man like, well, you know what? He, he probably seems like a guy that doesn't have a lot of good relationships, which is why he tries to destroy so many. I mean, you, you can go on and go on and go on like that and attack the man's person. But at the end of the day, it's either that or a distraction. Either he's just not a really good guy or he's very, very smart and he's using this all to, to go, look, over here, something shiny. Well, you look at, you know, my my dealings with Russia. Wow. I don't even know where to start with that. Um, yes, I think a lot of it is distraction and moving things um, off the headlines. Uh, but But remember, this isn't something that he initiated, so he is responding to it. So I'd have to say that it's a, a little bit different in this case. Um, but he doesn't have to respond I don't think to he's, it. I don't know if he's that smart, but I, I, even though Steve Bannon is not, you know, physically there in the White House, I'm sure that, you know, there's a couple of red phones in the White House, and I'm sure one has a direct line to Steve Bannon. And they always believed in dismantling all of the cultural institutions that hold them, um, you know, that bind the U.S. together, that don't uh, quite fit their vision. And, you know, this is one of them. And, you know, it's interesting because people were saying, well, you know, it's the First Amendment. Well, the First Amendment is free speech. You know, whether you like it or not, it's Mm -hmm. still free speech. And if you do it in a way that is done in a peaceful protest without inciting violence, then many people think, including myself, then, you know, that's okay. So what are you going to say? You like some free speech, but you don't like other free speech? And that's one of the big issues that's sort of coming down here. And that's really dividing a country. I don't like what you have to say, so you're not allowed to say it. Oh, okay. So where is this going? How do you get out of this? I mean, it was interesting, uh, soon after this controversy started, he sent out a tweet that said something, look, good, they're locking arms, that's unity. Too stupid to even realize it's unity against himself. Well, you you know, this is it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like saying, hey, look, here comes our enemy, he's got a gun. No, he's going to use it against you, you bonehead. Well, you know, this is it. But, you know, this is the world according to Trump. He sees it as he sees it. So if he sees it that way, when I kind of chuckled when I read that tweet, I don't know. I don't know. People believe that that is so. I don't know if he sees it that way, but I think you're right. He knows that some of his followers do. So he's just catering to the stupid people. I mean, let's be serious. Can we call a spade a spade here? I mean, he's he's literally he's he's catering to the lower uh, the the lower denomination. And I don't know about that. I don't know about that, Scott. There's lots of people and. And yeah, the yeah, you bring up a good point. That voted yeah. for him and they continue yeah. to support him. So, but they're not owners of NFL teams right now. Well, listen, you know the guy who owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. He gave a million dollars to Trump to the Trump inauguration, but mm. then he went on the field and linked arms with his players. Yeah. So maybe I hope he didn't think it was solidarity to Trump, but I think that message sent that it was solidarity solidarity against Trump. The um, 
the owner of the what is it? Uh, Belchick, who is the what the coach of the Patriots? Yeah, he supports Trump, but they also stayed inside the tunnel, I do believe, mm-hmm. uh, and did not even come out during the national anthem. I think that there's a couple other issues at play too. I mean, what is the NFL going to do about this? Well, that's it. it. I mean, you this know, is a giant this is can of worms. A bit of a PR problem, and you know, I also read that ratings were down ten percent on NFL Sunday night. Now, I don't know what the ratings are usually for NFL Sunday night, but I think that after watching a full day of NFL, maybe you've had enough anyways. So I don't know if it was indicative of the protest. Hmm. But, you know, as soon as the NFL sees a loss of revenue, they, they are going to start to get worried. And the NFL is, is fairly resistant to taking sides. I mean, you know, they, had one, they have video of one of their players, you know, beating up his, his wife or his, his girlfriend and didn't take action until the video was released. Yeah. So they're sort of resistant to taking sides. And they haven't come out with any um, major statement about this. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes because it's, 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 it's a hard one to deal with because the, the guys who support your business, are the majority are African-American. So these are the guys who play, who get hit, who come out every Sunday, mm-hmm. and they're the ones on the field filling the stands and putting money in your pockets. So how do you come out against that? You know, this is something there's probably great gnashing of teeth right now in the NFL office so on, who is, on how to address this. who is cringing the most right now? Is it the players? Is it the owners? Is it people in the White House? Mm, I don't think it's the players. Um, it, to some extent, I don't think it's the owners, because the owners also know that these guys have to play for them, because the next step is I'm not coming out on the field. So, uh, and how concerned is the NFL on this, or is any publicity good publicity? And if they can be used to discuss uh, social issues in America, so be it. That's great for everybody. Well, you know, I've never seen the NFL jump on the social issue bandwagon, so that would be a big high leap for them, Scott. Um, I think that this is more representative of the board and um, how they want to work with their teams on this. So if they're going to allow peaceful protests, then they can allow peaceful protests. Um, if they're going to come out with a statement against it, then that's probably going to cause them even more problems. And then in the oddest, oddest bit of irony, the Pittsburgh Penguins, somebody put out a statement yeah. from that organization on Sunday night and said, oh, we're still going. Yeah. And then they quote think, Sidney Crosby, yeah, who yeah. I'm sure was, I don't know who asked him the question or how it asked the question, but I can't imagine, you know, he gave sort of an odd answer. said, well, of course we're going to go to the White House. It's a great honor. What are you talking about, Sidney? You're Canadian. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's total bad timing on their part. Yeah, can't we uh, just deal with that next year or next month or whatever? Yeah, can, or can't you let, just let that fly under the radar? Exactly. So how is the White House, how does the White House repackage all of this? What, how do, what's her, what do they do for damage control? There's no repackaging, Scott. They've already put out their, um, they've already put out their, their missive, and you know, they're going to st- stand by it. I don't think that there's anything that is going to change their minds that, that kneeling, that taking a knee during the national anthem is unpatriotic. Mm-hmm. Now, if whole stadiums took a knee because they opposed Trump, well, then you, know, then you have a bigger problem. But I don't see that happening. I mean, it depends which market it is, but I don't see that happening. So is Trump loving this stuff? 
You know, I think that everything is is coming as a distraction. Um, and there are some serious things that, you know, his administration has to deal with. And, you know, number one is North Korea. Then, you know, then just go ahead and list everything else. You know, uh, number two is flood relief. Number three is the health care bill. You know, number four is, you know, take your pick. So this is just something else at a different minute at a different day. Because honestly, you know, this is a big issue. Um, and in what priority they give this, I think, depends on the actions of Americans or the groundswell of um, either support or divisiveness that occurs. Will Americans become tired of fighting with each other? Not as long as they have someone to fuel those angry sentiments. And will they? I don't know. I mean, I, th- I would hope at some point and Trump says, you know what, I've got to reach across the aisle and I have to, uh, you know, this country is on, on the precipice of, of civil war. This country is on the precipice of disaster. But maybe that's what they want. Like when they talked about draining the swamp and, and dismantling, you know, um, institutions that prevent you know, their agenda from going through, but maybe, you know, that's what they're looking for. I mean, I don't know. I find it a a very, very frightening time. You know, once a week, you and I talk about these things, and it's, you know, you can't make this stuff up. I'm surprised the opposition hasn't, well, again, they seem to be caught down in the trenches with everybody else in all this mess, but you'd think they would try to sell unity. Like, you know what, this isn't the America we want to live in. We want to live in an America where people get along and where people, you know, bop, bop, we disagree, but then we try to fix things as opposed to the divisiveness. Um, it's going to be very easy for someone in opposition come election time to go to just take the Trump clips and go bang, 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 and just say, who wants this crap? Like, who wants to be a part of this? This is no fun. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you kind of wonder, because right now there's no sort of one singular voice uh, behind the Democrats that people can turn to. Um, there are many voices. A lot of people talk to Nancy Pelosi. You know, a lot of people talk to Chuck Schumer. A lot of people talk to, you know, Cory Brooker. So, you know, there's not really one voice. And, you know, I'm wondering, are they waiting till after sort of the midterms in 2018? Um, you know, are, what are they waiting for? So or are they waiting for this is going to be their campaign platform? So they're taking all of these things and they're going to roll it up into one big blast. I mean, I don't know. But while people are speaking out, there is no, as far as I can see, one voice behind liberals who um, engage in this type of sentiment. And, and the other thing, too, is is that, you know, political parties never come out with anything until they've yeah. pulled up the yin-yang, yeah. right? And until you're, it's, it's close to showtime. Yeah, you know, you're not going to so, blow your load before showtime, yeah. I don't know, though. I think that the game has changed, and um, they've got to be uh, out there a bit more. Uh, will this current situation regarding the NFL will this die down usually you know we've talked about these stuff the stuff it does a 24-hour news cycle then it's over but this is an ongoing protest so where how long does this one last for him this one is just isn't going to go into the weeds and extinguish itself no no and I think that this is going to be sort of a go-to thing every Sunday to see who does yeah, what when where. exactly and wait for the tweet right because what is this week one 
Oh, that's hey, what right. is it? A thirteen-week season? A six? Hang on. <laughs> now, are we talking about the season or the presidency here? No, the season. Uh, Alyssa Freeman has been with us, public relations consultant. Alyssa PR. Alyssa, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Okay, Scott. Thank you. Take care. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show weekdays from noon to three on AM nine hundred CHML. All right, let's move on. And we'll talk to a man who's actually met Donald Trump. So there's no way we're going to let him off the phone without him commenting on this. But that's not really the reason we're calling him. Uh, It's just been announced Rick Mercer no longer continue the Rick Mercer report. Do we have that clip? Uh, Here is the clip of Rick Mercer uh, promoting his show and then saying it's all going to come to an end. Hello everyone, Rick Mercer here. Look at me, I'm back in the alley. That can only mean one thing. We are preparing a brand new season of the Mercer Report. This alley is where I come to think. This is where I come to rant. And quite frankly, with the state of the world right now, my only concern this season is that once I start ranting, I won't be able to stop. If you can believe it, this will be the 15th season of the show. And sure, it has evolved over the years, but one thing that has always remained consistent is this. I've always known I have the best job in the country. It has been a huge privilege to be invited into your home every single week. I can't tell you how much fun it's been. So yes, this is the 15th season of the Mercer Report. It is also the final season. What's next? I have no idea. What I do know is we have been hard at work preparing what I think will be our greatest season yet. We have just returned from an epic road trip. A lot of people say coast to coast to coast at the Mercer Report. We mean it. We've been to the Pacific. We've been to the Atlantic. We went to the Arctic Circle. I was swimming in the Arctic Ocean. I've helped paint a grain elevator on the prairies. I've dangled off the Confederation Bridge to PEI. I have been on an intimate adventure with Jan Arden. I have been covered head to toe in peanut butter and licked clean by 32 golden retrievers. And why? Because when you get an invitation like that, you show up. I love my job. I always have. I want to thank everyone who's ever watched and please continue to do so. The Mercer Report, as always, CBC Television, Tuesdays at 8, 8.30 in Newfoundland and Labrador, a place where I'll be spending a lot more time in the future. All right, let's bring in Bill Brio, uh, TV critic, author of the blog TV Feeds My Family. He is with us now. Bill Brio, thanks for taking the time to join us today. My pleasure, Scott. Uh, just to your point earlier about Trump, if we want to get this out of the way. Sure. It's interesting. You know, the first two weeks of the NFL season, the ratings were down just as they were last year. Uh, Sunday's games, up 4%. And I think a lot of people tuned in just to see if a lot of people would kneel down. So, if you're the NFL, how do you how do you play this? Do you do you, uh, do you are you proud that uh, your forum is being used to talk about these sorts of issues? Uh, do you have an opinion on it, or do you just hope it goes all goes away? Well, the commissioner of the league went out, uh, held a conference, and denounced Trump. I mean, he yep. put an official that's bad on that. But you know, um, the networks are starting to get a little nervous. The NFL uh, always was boom, 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 and just the last few seasons, all these headlines about concussions and other things, uh, ratings were tailing off. So that Trump was able to draw attention to something, there's just more proof, good or bad, that he is a magnet for attention. Uh, Ratings trailing off because of concussion issues, because of scandal, or people just getting tired and there's just more options? I think it's all a combination of all that. I think some lackluster games the first few weeks, people 
just not as, uh, you know, the, the Patriots have just seemed to win every year. There's not as much drama maybe in, the, in a lot of contests. Uh, so I think that's part of it. It's not just the, uh, the concussion headlines. So where does this go? I mean, you know, normally, Bill, these things last. They get a 24-hour news cycle, and then it moves on. But this is the NFL. This is America's pastime. And also, the issue of the knee is certainly not going away. So where does this go from here? I don't know. You know, it's a good question. Um, I think eventually the games will take over. You know, there's all this stuff at the beginning. Should there be anthems at all at sporting events? You know, we always talk about these kind of things. I think eventually rivalries heat up and games get good, or, or they don't, and that's what will keep people coming back. Can he take on the NFL and win, though? I mean, uh, is he tr- obviously he's trying to pressure the NFL into acting on this. What do they do here? Well, the commissioner, again, came out and said that what he did was dis- disrespectful to the players, and the, the 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 league wants nothing to do with what Trump has said, so I think that was the appropriate response. And um, hopefully, it will die down, or something will happen. But I don't really know, Scott. Do you think this is over now? Like, I mean, do you think that's it? Will he'll tweet something else, and everybody will forget about this, or do you think this is going to stick with them? Like, you know, politics is one thing. You start dinking with people's sports or their cable, <laughs> you know, things get a little testy. It's true. In Canada, if you mess with uh, cable rates or beer prices or hockey, then sure. you're in trouble. Anything else doesn't matter. But I, but I do think, if you look at Trump and his record in office, there's just been one distraction after another. And each one seems like, oh, my God, this guy's lost his mind. He's an idiot. And then four days later, you forget all about it. So I, I don't see this being any stickier than the others. Obviously, and we've talked about this many times, you, you met Trump, you, got, you were able to, uh, to have a little interview with him in his office in regard to, of course, uh, the TV uh, production that he had going on at the time. D- with what you're seeing now, does, d- does any of this surprise you? Did you see this coming? Uh, is this the sort of guy he is even when the cameras are off? Well, what I remember from being in his office about seven years ago now, I think, um, was that it was a mess. He's on the 25th floor of Trump Tower. He's got a view of Central Park. But the office itself was littered with trophies and pictures and stuff. It looked like he had just moved. And among all that junk was all those XFL trophies and footballs that were signed. You know, he was you know, the, one of the chief guys of that league. Yep. And really, he was the guy that wrecked that league. So... If you're looking for somebody to uh, be involved with football, you don't want it to be Donald Trump. Uh, do you think you'll get elected to a second term? <laughs> I, you know what? I didn't think he'd get elected to a first, so I'm not a very good uh, uh, pro- prognosticator, but it wouldn't shock me, and uh, that's kind of sad. All right, let's move on. Uh, Rick Mercer calling it a day after uh, 15 years. When I listened to that uh, clip, I remember watching it first, but I listened to it without the visual. Uh, he almost sounds emotional. He sounds like he's going to crack up a bit. I'm sure it was emotional for him. You know, I, I talked to Rick uh, last Thursday, and he, got, you know, I've been covering him right from the beginning. In fact, 25 years when he started on uh, This Hour is 22 Minutes, I was with TV Guide, and we put out a cover on who are these funny guys, you know, and that was 25 years ago. When that show comes back Tuesday, it'll be its 25th season. So he's been on CBC uninterrupted for 25 years. If you count eight years on 22 Minutes and then Made in Canada, talking to Americans, and then 15 years of Mercer Report. 
And the guy behind the camera there, um, Spence, who, who has been with him from the beginning, he has shot every one of the 264 rants. Hmm. Uh, you know, and, and his field producer has been the same guy, John Marshall. So it's a family, and uh, coming to an end, it's hard uh, every time for those guys. What do you think goes into this decision? When you talked to him, uh, did he say anything about that? You know, to be honest, Scott, he's hinted over the years, even after five years, that maybe this is it. Like, he's always sort of left that dangling out there. And some of us thought, oh, you know, it's a negotiation ploy with CBC, or he's trying to do this or that. Um, I don't think it's got anything to do with any of that. He told me he just felt it was time that uh, 15 years was enough. It was the, It is the greatest job in the world. You heard that clip, the yeah. crazy things he gets to do. It's it's amazing. He he told me a great story about being on an airplane and a, he was sitting next to a passenger, and this guy they struck up a conversation and the guy slowly revealed that he was dying, that mm. he had a health problem and it was getting toward the end, and so he's made a bucket list and he was going to go out and do all these amazing things and he had a hundred things on his list. So he starts telling Rick about it. Well, I'm going to do. I'm going to go up to the Arctic, and Rick's like, "Oh, you got to do that. Make sure you go this place." And then he says, "Well, I'm going to go to PEI. Oh, for heaven's sake, don't miss this part." And then everything on the guy's list. Mercer had to shut up because he realized he's he'd done, done it. it all, and he'd had a, you know, that was his living was other people's bucket list. He'd mm. he's been in the back seat of a fighter plane three times. Yeah, you know, like. That's an interesting analogy. He lives everybody else's bucket list. That's great. Well, yeah. I mean, imagine that. I mean, you're in one of those fighter planes. You can cross Saskatchewan in 10 seconds. Yeah. You don't get to do stuff like that. So, um, you know, That you would be, to... when you think about doing the drive, that would be a pleasure, really, wouldn't it? <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. But he's had this charmed life, and it's not like he's sick of it, um, but I do think uh, he's young enough to do something else. He's done it for 15 years, and I, and I think he's, you know, if you look at television, the whole industry is changing. The idea that you'd be a host of a CBC show for that long, that might not happen in the future. You know, it, it's uh, everything's Netflix now and downloadable and streaming, and, um, you know, his, his place in that universe is changing too, so maybe he's looking around just taking the the, the bigger view and, to think of what's next. That's my next question. Obviously, as you mentioned, he's been at CBC for 25 years, seen a lot of changes uh, in that time. There's There's been some, uh, you know, some tough times at the CBC uh, since then as they've tried to redefine what it is that, they're, that they want to do and, and move forward. Do you think he's got tired of that? You know, I don't know. It's possible. Um, it's hard to think that be, would be so because he is he calls all the shots on that show. Yeah, he's a kingpin, he's executive yeah. Executive producer, Gerald Luntz, they do whatever they want to do, and that's a pretty good job to have. So to walk away from it, you've got to think that he's thought about it long and hard. I just think that um, he he's looking to uh, challenge himself and to, and to take a risk. And, he, you know, he quit 22 minutes uh, after 18 years, or eight years, and mm-hmm. people thought he was crazy then. So he's quit big jobs before, and... Uh, who knows? There was rumors, too, you know, of, of maybe a political future, that a, like a Senate appointment or something like this. You know, he's, he's wow. not so skinny-dipping with Bob Ray for nothing. Boy, he'd, he'd lighten up life in the Senate, wouldn't he? Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it would be interesting. He's And, and you got to look at the, what he's achieved on that show besides just entertaining. They, they've raised millions for um, yeah. Spread the Net, uh, anti-malaria charities, gotten 
high school students across Canada involved in that and getting out the vote. Um, he's been able to be a very positive force, not just a comedian. And um, so maybe he's just thinking maybe there's another way he can uh, make progress there. Bill Brio has been with us, TV critic, author of the blog TV Feeds My Family, talking about everything NFL, and of course now Rick Mercer. Bill, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. My pleasure, Scott. Anytime. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.